Okay, here we go again. I'm wondering what will happen in the next 30 to 45 minutes. Wondering if I prepared enough, prayed enough, feeling all the pressure to somehow be good enough so that you'll be pleased with me, God. And everyone who showed up will actually connect with you. Even though I know you love me, I still feel like I have to perform well to get your favor. And that goes for everyone sitting here too. Man, I want people to get this. I so want everyone at K2 to know you intimately and be experiencing the life you have for them. And right now, I feel like that's all on me. What if my message is flat? What if it doesn't connect? Well, I guess we'll soon find out. I'm up, and once again, pressure's on. Anybody else ever have battles in your mind? Thoughts that go back and forth? Uh, If you're human, you do. It's amazing to me, actually, in my own personal life, the battle that goes on inside right here, back and forth, all in one day. In fact, to be honest with you, all just in my prayer time this morning. I was walking around Sugar House Park in my prayer time, and there were certain times in, in that where I felt like I was connecting with God and feeling his presence and feeling his power, and then I'd start praying for something, and then all of a sudden, these negative thoughts would just creep right in. All within my prayer time, I'm like, wait a second, it's not supposed to happen when you're praying. So I'm connecting with God. But I can have really good and right thoughts about God, about his love, his presence, his goodness. And then another day can come, and I can feel completely frustrated. I feel, or that he's frustrated or that he's disappointed in me, that, that he actually wants to pull away from me, and I start thinking those thoughts, and the pressure comes on. Some days, I have thoughts about other people that are just really beautiful, and they're loving and free, and I can't wait to serve people. And then other times, I run into people, and my thoughts are full of fear. And I'm wondering what they're thinking about me, and their opinions, and their evaluations, and their rejection, or flip it around and I'm the one who's doing the judging. <laughs> it, it's crazy. All within my little brain. And I'm sure in yours too. Here's something that is just true that we're going to talk about today. And throughout this whole series. That our mind is a battlefield. That's what it is. And most of life's battles are won or lost in our mind. And so, and we know this today, Um, part of the reason we wanted to do this series is because one of the biggest issues in our culture today is mental health. And and so we're going to go through this series, and it, um, uh, shoot, I forgot my book. Hold on one second. All right. So this is a book called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's by Craig Grishel. I picked this up earlier this year, and I read it back in like February or March, and um, it was really good. And in reading this, I had a, a real true engagement with God that has brought me, I, I, I'll be totally honest with you, there has been a cool transformation <laughs> that happened in my life earlier this year. And what was interesting is everything that was in this book, I, I kind of already knew. It wasn't any great new information. He, I think he's a really good writer. But there also was a lot of practical application that was in this book to help you to know how to win this battle that's in your mind. 
And so I dove into that and I really experienced God doing some transforming work in my mind, which is what he says that he'll do. And so we're going to go through this uh, four weeks with this book, but then right in the middle of it, we're actually going to be bringing in two weeks, we will have three different Christian mental health professionals, some therapists who are going to come here, and we're going to dive into some of this deeper stuff and talk about these issues of depression and anxiety and bipolar and trauma and PTSD that are affecting us as people in our culture. And we want to see how is it that God can meet us in those ways and what are the different things that we can do. So we're going to take this on head on. Because God, you guys, he made our minds. He made them. The physical creation of our brain and the way our brains work. This was all God's idea. And that's why even as science now is is continuing more and more to discover how the brain works. What's fascinating is it totally coincides with the scriptures were telling us, what God was actually telling us, that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the good news in all this is that whatever negative thoughts that continually maybe come into your mind, is you don't need to be a prisoner to those thoughts. But you can actually take them and make them captive. God's word, as we're going to look at the scripture, it's powerful. And his spirit, the very presence of God, is powerful. You guys, when Jesus Christ rose from the dead... And, 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 distrib- and, and displayed a, a, a power that was supernatural over this earth. And the people, the church, the early church, when they just proclaimed Jesus and his name and his truth, it was always his presence and his power that actually had the healing effect of transforming people's lives. And that's why I loved how Jenny just said how great that the creator of the universe actually wants to be with us today. Is that not cool? And he is. He says, I'm with you when you gather. And so, Lord, I just pray right now as we dive into this topic today that your presence and your power, that you would speak, God. You know each person in this room. You know the battle that goes on inside their own mind. I ask for grace and mercy today from you, just pure love from you, God. Would you just touch each one of us? Speak. May your word be powerful and help us to find freedom. And I ask for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 today, uh, verses 3 through 5. You can pull that up on your phone or your Bible. Open up your Bible if you brought it today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. The writer says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient 
to Christ. Let me pull out a few cool things from this passage. Here's, here's the first thing. According to this, there is a war. <laughs> there is a war. We don't wage war as the world does. The scriptures just let us know right now, there is a spiritual battle that goes on. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to earth. And one of the things he told us is that you do have a spiritual enemy. At one point, he called him the thief. And he says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But then Jesus says, but I have come so that you could have life. So right there, we have Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who's come so that you and I could have life to the full. And there's an enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your life. And as we're going to see, so much of that battle, that spiritual battle that's going on, is happening right between your ears. Here's the second thing from this passage. The enemy, it says, builds up strongholds. Now, what are strongholds? This, this is actually a military term, okay? Strongholds would be like walls that they would put around cities. They would actually be up to 20 feet thick, all right? So that nothing could get in. And so that's where they are. But where, where are the strongholds in this passage? They're actually in our minds. What are they? And how do we know that? Because they're called arguments. They're called pretensions. They say that we take captive what? Thoughts. There are thoughts that enter our mind that the spiritual enemy puts inside of us and they are against the knowledge of God. And so if God is the creator of all things, if he is the one who has reality, if he's the one who knows how life works and what truth is, what's beautiful and what's good, then the enemy who does not want your life to be beautiful, he doesn't want it to be good, he doesn't want your relationships to work, and he definitely does not want you connecting with God. So what he's doing is he's putting in thoughts and arguments and pretensions, in other words, high and mighty thoughts that make you think that you don't need God. He's constantly doing that inside your mind. In John chapter 8, 44, verse 44, Jesus said this, talking to the religious leaders here again. He goes, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. And then he says, now, now think about this again. This is Jesus. This is God in the flesh telling us what is reality. The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And so there are these lies that the enemy constantly is putting inside our brain. The devil wants to attack your mind by creating strongholds of deception to keep you and me from believing the truth and following God's plan that he has for you to experience life to the full. And Jesus said, this is what he's doing to us all the time. He lies about God. He lies about you. He lies about others. He tells us stuff like God isn't good. He doesn't care about you or your life or your situation. And if that's the case, then you need to be in control. 
He'll tell you that God is so frustrated with you and disappointed in you that he's just done with you, with all that you've done in your life and your past. Or he flips around and says, God, you don't need God. You'd be better off without him. You're doing just fine. That's another one. And then he comes at us and he says things like, you'll never change. You could never change. You'll never find a life of fulfillment or your purpose. You've made too many mistakes, too many, over and over again. And no one actually really believes in you. And then he starts talking about everybody else. And he says, you know, everyone is just one step away from walking away from you. Or, you know, you're actually better than most people around you. They're really less valuable than you. <laughs> I mean, he just, he just nonstop is lying to us. And why does he do this? Because he is literally trying to steal your life. To kill and destroy your relationships, your heart, your soul with God. Now, so that's the second thing. The enemy builds up these strongholds. But here's the third thing that the scripture tells us. That we actually possess weapons that have divine power to demolish those strongholds. Isn't that good news? You actually possess them. We possess these weapons to demolish strongholds. And we do that by taking captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. So in other words, again, your thoughts seek to make you a prisoner to what they're telling you, but the truth is you can actually take them captive and make them obedient to Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. This is important, you guys, because notice this. That truth is not just a concept. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. Jesus, in his very essence, lived reality in front of us on earth. Everything he spoke was true. He is the truth. And that's why I believe that he said, this is eternal life. He said that you know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. And again, that know is not intellectual knowledge. It's relational knowing. It's an actual experience with God. He says, when you experience me, I'm the truth. And when you engage with me and you let me into your life and you walk with me and follow me, you know what happens? He goes, you will experience the truth because you're in relationship with me, and you can actually have eternal life now. It's not just something that happens after you die. It's the fullness of life now. Jesus came to give you that, and he is the truth. And so as we get to know him and engage with him and walk with him, here's how he said it in John chapter 8, verse 31. He said to the Jews who had believed him, okay? So let me just say for, for all of us who are in this room already, and let's say you do believe him, or if you're here and you're investigating in the possibility of Jesus, but he says to the Jews who had believed him, listen to this, if you hold to my teaching, he goes, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, I, I just know in this world, with all of the talk about mental health, there is such a need for freedom. And I, I'm guessing in this room, 
There are a few of you who are doing great. You're not struggling with this. Wonderful. The other 99% of us are, okay? And the truth is God wants to come and bring this new life to us. And it's in him. In Ephesians chapter six, it says, be strong in the Lord, in Jesus, and in his mighty power. And then he says, so, so you actually are strong, right? Not on your own. You're actually supposed to be strong in the Lord, in Jesus, and in his mighty power. You and I don't have the power. When it says to be able to demolish strongholds, that word demolish, you guys, is like a wrecking ball. It takes, we don't have wrecking ball power, but Jesus does. So then it says, so put on the armor of God. Like you can literally have God's armor guarding your mind and your heart, a shield of faith around you. But in the armor, there's two things. He says there's the belt of truth. And the belt is what held all of the rest of the armor together. So he goes, and that's part of what we have is the truth. But the one offensive weapon, everything else was armor. But in that battle, the scriptures tell us, there's one offensive weapon that actually is the sword of the Spirit. And it's the Word of God. The Word of God that has the power to create life and bring light. The one who made light shine out of darkness can actually make his light shine in your hearts so you can see the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's where we go. We go to his word. And that's what we're going to be doing throughout this series. Because here's the truth, you guys. This is just true about all of us. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. That's just what's true. Our lives always move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Scripture tells us this, and science tells us this. That's what we're discovering. And it's just true. Some of these, some of these challenges of depression or anxiety or addictive behaviors, through cognitive behavior therapy, people understand that those you can tie those back to what we're thinking. People have just shown us that every action that you actually do is moved by a motive. There's a motive, there's an emotion that drives you to do it. But that thing that you feel is always triggered by your thoughts. You think things that cause you to feel things that move you to do things. But here's the more fascinating thing. Every thought that comes into your mind is triggered by what you believe. By what you believe. And that's why the same thing can happen to two different people, and they'll respond in completely different ways because they believe something different. And so we go to this core, and that's what Scripture tells us as well. Here's what we know, you guys. The life that all of us are living is a reflection of the thoughts that we're thinking. It just is. So if you think you can't, well, you probably won't. But if you think you can, 
If you have those thoughts, there's something different inside of you that keeps you moving. If you dwell on the problems, then they overwhelm you. But if you believe that God is in the problems, that he's working in all things, no matter what you're going through, and you hold to that, then you live with hope. Again, what do you believe? What do you think? That battle is going on right here. And the direction of your life is happening with the deepest thoughts that are inside your heart. And so the first thing I want to do with this is I just, we're just going to take a thought audit, all right? Let's just take a moment here and just think about what we actually think about. <laughs> Where do you find yourself on this continuum? I'm just going to look at three things. Craig Rochelle had these things in his book. It's just really helpful. So here, here's the first one. When you wake up in the morning with your thought audit, do you usually have worried thoughts? Is this in there? It's not in there? Kirk, do you have that? Okay, great. So let me just tell you about it. But let's go over here on this side. When you wake up, are your thoughts usually worrisome? <laughs> are you anxious about things? Or when you wake up, do you find yourself more at peace? When you're looking at the situations around you, when you went through COVID or are going through COVID <laughs> that never seems to end, when you go into financial struggles, when you're hitting relational issues, are your thoughts anxious and are they causing you distress? Or are you experiencing what the Bible tells us that God will give you a peace that transcends all understanding, that actually guards your heart and your mind in Christ. Do you notice that? Guards your mind in Christ. So where are you at on that? Are you more anxious and worried or are you at peace? Here's the second one. Do you find yourself more negative? <laughs> are your thoughts more critical? Do you, do you see the negative in the people around you or assuming the worst? You look at your day, it's tough. You look at the world situation, everything's falling apart around us. Is it more of a negative thought or on the other side, is it positive? Is there a positive faith? Because again, it's what you believe. So when you're looking at the world and everything around you, I would say, like, if God is not good and he's not loving and he's not powerful and he doesn't care about you, there's a lot to worry about. <laughs> and you can be super negative. But is he in the midst of everything? Do you believe that at your core? What he tells you is true, that he's working in all things. Then you can have a positive aspect and you can see the hope and the hope that's in the future. And the last one is this. Do you find your thoughts to be more worldly? Are you waking up and most of your life is about, okay, what do I have? What do I need to get? What do I wear? How do I look? How successful am I? Is it all the things of the world or are you waking up and living for things that are eternal? Do you realize, kind of as John said, that everything that God has given you 
is a blessing for you, but never is anything given to you just for yourself, but it's giving so that you can give it out. You have gifts, you have personalities, you have passions, and you give yourself away because you're not living just for this world, but you're living to impact people's lives, and you know that that actually has impact on eternity. See, your strongest thoughts, for sure, are guiding your actions and giving you the direction for your life. Is the strongest thought anxiety or is it peace? Is it positive? Is it negative? Is it worldly or is it eternal? And what you believe about those things, what you think about those things, absolutely sets the trajectory for your life. So what comes into your mind comes out into your world. I love how Grishel said this. He says, you can't have a positive life when you have a negative mind. It's really tough to have a positive life when you have a negative mind. So when you think about your strongest thoughts, the ones that consume you most of your day, that are actually setting the direction of your life, how many of you like the direction that it's sending you? And I, I just know for me, in the last few years, and the reason I picked up this book, and I, a few years ago I was telling you all about Carolyn Leaf and her stuff, the 21-day detox, the very similar type of stuff. Part of it for me is because I know, I am aware that there's a battle going on inside of my own mind. And I also realize that when I'm buying the lies, the way that my life is fleshing itself out, I don't like it. I don't like it. And I also know that when I am buying the truth and it's getting past my intellect into the deepest core of my being and I'm holding on to Jesus and I'm holding on, because remember that's what he said, if you hold to my teaching and I'm trusting what he says and who he is and what he's revealed and I'm doing what he says, I know the trajectory of my life is how I want it to be. And so, Here's the main application that I want to give you today, okay? Here's the first step in these four weeks that we're going to be spending on this. It's a foundational thought. The first thing you have to do is you have to identify the biggest stronghold that's going on in your own mind. You have to identify it. What is the negative thought that consumes you? The biggest lie, I'm not good enough and I never will be. My past, it's too bad. The mistakes I've made, there's no way that I could be redeemed from that. I, I just don't, I have never been loved. I don't know if I'll be loved. I don't know if I can ever trust people again. I don't know if I'm ever gonna stop this pattern of behavior, this addictive thing. I'm just, the lie I'm believing is I'm stuck. I'm gonna be like this for the rest of my life. Maybe your lie is, my value is totally dependent on my performance. Or your value is totally dependent on other people's opinions of you. Those thoughts, you guys, they are changing the chemical makeup of your brain. So here's, here's a little bit of the brain science. You can just find this. It's everywhere. It's fascinating these days. But every thought 
actually creates a neurochemical change in your brain. And so when you have positive thoughts, it's, this, we love this word, right? Dopamine. Anybody love some dopamine? Right? Yeah, we do love dopamine. <laughs> it's actually legal and it feels really, really good. So we have these those thoughts, but positive thoughts, they release that dopamine and it's powerful. And that can be compliments from other people. It can be successful when you do something. Whatever it is that you, you desire, when those things happen, it's like, man, that kicks in. But here's the interesting thing. Negative thoughts actually decrease the level of dopamine. And so now all of a sudden, the negative thoughts, you don't, right? We know this. You don't feel good about those. And then when you don't feel good, what do we do? We go pursue other things to make us feel good. And now we get into behaviors that are patterns. But all of those behavior patterns started right here. Now, here's the other interesting thing. The more that you think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought again. So when you're dwelling on something negative, it's like you wake up, it's just easier. That's what science has shown us. You think a thought, it's easier to think it again. And so the more often you think that thought, before long, it becomes your default thinking. It becomes your stronghold. And it's, it's, it's similar to like if you're walking on a path, because that's what they're saying. They're like neural pathways in our brain. And it's like when you're walking a path, if you walk over it over and over and over and over again, eventually that place becomes a path. In fact, I remember years ago, uh, I, I don't, can't remember if it was my college maybe that I went to, but they said that's how they decide where to put sidewalks is they wait till people walk the path. They find out where is everybody going to go over and over and over again. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, there's a pathway. And then they put the concrete down. <laughs> And it becomes the stronghold. But you guys know this too. If you stop walking on a path, eventually what happens? The grass grows back. In fact, uh, I, my dad again built our home in seven acres of wooded land uh, in Michigan. And we used to heat our house with wood. And so we used to have to go back and we had a little, he had a little tractor and a trailer. And we made all these paths to go back in our forest and cut down trees and then bring all those things back. And I'll never forget years later, going into our forest, go, I'm just gonna walk through our forest again. And all of those paths were gone. If you will stop, if you'll know what the negative thought is in your brain and you stop thinking it and you replace it with truth, Literally, the pathways begin to die in your brain and they lose the stronghold in your life. Romans 12, 2 put it this way. We just went through this whole, this passage. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, God was telling this from the beginning, guys. If you are looking for a transformed life, a renewing of your mind is what does it. And the God of truth, Jesus Christ, who is the truth, can give you his spirit of truth. And you can open up his word of truth. 
And as you take these things and get them into your brain and think about these over and over again and stop the negative pattern, the transformation can happen. So here's your assignment, okay, for this week. Your assignment for this week is to identify one. Now, this will, this, for most of, most of us, the problem will be choosing one, okay? But don't try to tackle a bunch of them. But seriously, I want you this week to be honest with yourself, to think about the behavior, think about the patterns of your life. What are some things that you're doing that you don't want? And then go back and say, why am I doing those things? What thoughts, what am I thinking that's actually causing me to act this way? And then discover, keep probing in till you come to the place where you go, this is it, man. This is the negative thought, the stronghold, the lie that I believe. And it is setting the course, direction of my life. All right? And it can be anything like we've already talked about. But I love this. You can't defeat what you can't define. You can't defeat what you can't define. So this week, God, pray and say, God, what is it? What is the stronghold and the lie? And the next week, we're going to take the next step, which is we'll identify the truth to demolish that stronghold. You identify what it is, and then you discover what the truth is. And the truth, the scripture says, actually has divine power to demolish, to get rid of the strongholds in your brain. Just, just real quick, you know, I, I, could, I could spend a long time telling you my story. But for me, and when I got to this, and in the, by the way, we do have some of these books for sale in, in, the, in the lobby. I encourage you. I, I bought a bunch of these after I went through this. And just anybody that I'm meeting who's just struggling with dark thinking of any sort, I'm like, just read this, but make sure you do the exercises in it. And when I did the exercises in this first thing, and I tried to define what is the lie, I kind of gave it to you in the beginning in my little thought process up here. But I came to the realization about a year ago, maybe a little bit more, that I must be successful to be accepted by God. I must be successful to be accepted by God. Can, can I just say, you know the only reason I even do what I'm doing? Yeah, I've shared this with you guys before. Nobody wants to be a pastor, y'all, Right? Did any of you grow up when you were a kid, right? And they're, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oh, a pastor. Nobody wants that. The only reason I even do what I do is because when I gave God my life and I said, I'll do anything you want me to do, he gave me the call and I know that. So in my mind, like God's kind of my boss. And so what happens is, is I think therefore, my favor with God is totally dependent on how well I do my job. And I just want to tell you what, man, if you believe at your core that the acceptance of God in, for your life is based on how well you perform, can I just say, you know the word gospel is good news? That is not good news. In fact, the crazy thing was, as I believe the gospel for all of you guys, 
But I found out I wasn't believing it for myself. That was the lie that I was holding on to. I must be successful to be accepted by God. And if I'm not, he will withdraw his favor because he's disappointed in me. I want to tell you what, man, there's no joy in that living. And there's no peace in that living. It's pressure. And then it affects every way you live. So that was it for me. I realized, okay, man, that stronghold has to go. So then I sat, and by the way, yes, I've been in the scriptures now for, I've been in ministry for 34 years. I kind of know the Bible a little bit. And so, so when I needed to replace this lie with the truth, okay, I kind of knew where to go. When we go through this with you next week, we will help you. If you don't know the truth that can help you with your negative thought, we're going to help you with those. But I knew it. And I went in and Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 said this. The Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. And as soon as I read that, and I'm like, wait a second. I'm told I'm his son. He accepts me completely because of who I am and because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. You guys, this is the greatest news in all the world that once you become a child of God, he takes all of your sin, pushes it off into Jesus, and then he gives you Jesus' righteousness. And you stand before God and God just goes, you know, I just love you, man. I love you because you're my son. Now, because you're my son and everyone I accept as my son, he goes, I train and I discipline because I want you to become everything I've created you to be. And man, I just want to tell you, scales started falling off from my eyes. And I, I already intellectually knew this, but the word has power. And God used his word to get to my core and begin to set me free. And I want to tell you, the last eight months have been so peaceful and so full because the truth sets you Free. And whatever the lie is that the enemy's trying to steal your life, destroy your relationships, and keep you from the fulfillment of knowing God intimately, God has a truth that will demolish it and set you free. It's work. It is a war. It is battle. But we're going to try to equip you in these next weeks to, to do that. All right? Now, we're going to close with some worship because this is what we need to do, man. We just need to say, man, God... Thank you that you want to set us free. Thank you that you want to come and, and that Jesus, you are the truth. And by the way, you know what? I'm sure maybe some of you online, maybe of you, some of you who just showed up today at church, maybe the biggest stronghold in your mind is actually the lie about God. That he isn't good, that he doesn't love you. That you've done too many things for God to care about you anymore and he's just kind of given up on you. And can I just tell you, the greatest truth in the world is that God is a father. That's what Jesus taught us. He's your father in heaven and he's a good, good father. And he loves you desperately so much that even when you didn't want anything to do with him, he would send his son, Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus was the son of God coming down to earth to say, I'm going to do exactly what's necessary to reconcile you back to God. And it's all his work. He does everything. You don't have to do a thing, but be a powerless, 
ungodly sinner. Anybody relate to that? Because God says, I love at just the right time. I love the powerless, ungodly sinner. That's every human being. And Jesus Christ came because God so loved you. So he could take away all of this patterns, all of this sin, all of this negativity, all of this living without God. Just take it away, put it into Christ, and forgive you completely for everything you've ever done. And then in return, put his spirit inside of you. The spirit of truth and of peace, of joy and of love. And so if that's you today, maybe today's your day where you said, you know what, God, that's what I want. I, I want to win this war, but I know I obviously don't have the power to do it. Jesus, would you come into my life and give me the power? You are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. I want you to come in and give me that power and that strength. Okay? And if that's you, can we? I just want to pray and then we'll worship. Father, I thank you today. I thank you today for loving us. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you because you are the truth. And we want you. We need your light of truth to invade our minds and these dark places, these lies, these strongholds. Come in. So God, I just want to pray for any person who's here right now who just says, Jesus, I need you. Just say it in your heart to him. Jesus, I need you to come in. And shine your light of truth and destroy, demolish these lies, these dark negative thoughts and set me free. Holy Spirit, just come and do that work in us. We thank you that you have power. Jesus, you showed us because you lived it on this earth. You have the power over all darkness and lies. So God, come. Speak to us all week long. Show us what those strongholds are and then come and set us free. And I pray for it in Jesus' name, amen. Let's go ahead and stand, you guys, and let's worship together.